Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and I just opened another highlight. <laughs> we just finished our last episode, and this is a double episode day, and I'm glad, I'm glad we're drinking High Lifes. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> this would be bad if we were drinking beers. I, I will I'll, I'll, do, I'll do that for, for a single episode. Really. I will never forget RoboCop and Goodfellas, Mario. We, did, we only did one episode that day, though. We did one, but we did Goodfellas twice. Because mm-hmm. whatever we right. were drinking was whatever it was. We well, talked no, but about Goodfellas for the like last time we, two hours. We, last time we recorded, like, I, I don't remember recording the candy in that episode, man. Because I think I was drinking, like... Oh, yeah. I was drinking IPAs, but we had to do two in a row. We I was drinking IPAs. That day, yeah. You were drinking, we, like, a little... You were drinking, um... Well, we tried some. You got some. You had a pumpkin, I think. I had a pumpkin, but I also had, like, some sea hags. And yeah, you yeah, had yeah. the uh, little devil. So you were fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I was I know I'm fine during the episode, but like That was a good episode though. Mario's out. Out the door <laughs> during the episode. So Did you change your opinion about Candyman? What was my opinion? I can't remember exactly. We were both kind of disappointed in Candyman. Oh no, my opinion still is Oh yeah, no, because uh that's not from me being too drunk. My opinion of it being the third act ru- fails, ruins the film. And yeah, it's the same. Yeah. First hour of that movie really works. Speaking of third acts ruining films. Oh no. No, no. no, no. No, no, it's not it's not that the third act ruins the film. Um so yeah, we have a we're going to, you know, like I said, we haven't we haven't recorded for over a month since we did this and so Tom and I have been seeing a bunch of movies. Well, this is a problem with 2021, I really feel like. And I was thinking about this today when I was, you know, I was just like looking at movies. Um because of the pandemic, we're getting just annihilated with films. Which is good. Get out of the way. It's kind of hard to keep up a little bit. With all the stuff that's um, coming out, and but we're trying, we're trying to keep, we're trying to keep on top of the big stuff, um, the relevant stuff, um, you know. And I, I think we're gonna, we're doing some of that today. Not necessarily award stuff, but just the stuff that you know. Yeah, no, the, like, we, like you know, talks to the one of our movies. Guys. One of our movies will definitely get a good number of nominations, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so and it's the, not the movie that probably should get a good amount of. Nominations, yeah, but we'll t- we'll talk about um, that. So yeah, the movie I saw that Tom intended to see but just didn't get around to, and I said good. I, I told him not to see it. Uh, a little you spoiler did. Thank for that. You very much. Is uh, the French Dispatch? We take as the subject of tonight's lecture, Mr. Moses Rosenthal, certainly the loudest artistic voice of his rowdy generation. Simone naked cell block J hobby room. I want to buy it. It's not for sale. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. In short, the picture was a sensation. The kids did this. Obliterated a thousand years of Republican authority in less than a fortnight. What do they want? Freedom. Full stop. I'm naked, Mrs. Kremens. I can see that. Lieutenant Nescafier. He is the great exemplar of the mode of cuisine known as police cooking. The aromas of the kitchen cast a spell, which was to be mortally broken. As you know by now, we have kidnapped your son.
a message from the foreman. One hour to press. You're fired. Really? Don't cry in my office. This is Wes Anderson's newest feature. Um, it is not a solid narrative. It is three stories told after the uh, death of Arthur Howitzer. He was the editor of the Fresh Dispatch. Um, it was a uh, New Yorker-like magazine. A right? New Yorker-like magazine based upon some Kansas, whatever. It's... You know, it's it's the cutesy thing. Some that... Wes Anderson nonsense. And so, in uh, memory of him, they the the staff have come together to kind of like create one final episode, one final issue, because he says upon his death, um, publication is going to be immediately suspended. So they picked three stories um, of real no connection to publish uh, in memory of him. Uh-huh. Um. I'm not Did you know that? And I'm sorry to interrupt. There ends you, up being there ends up being four stories that end up getting published, but like the they they pull from it. Did you know that he Wes Anderson published a sorry, book of his favorite New Yorker uh, articles, like no. in relation to like this movie? No, I didn't know that either. I just I've listened to a podcast and they said it. And I was like, that's the most Wes Anderson thing I've ever heard, and also kind of makes me hate this. Um. Anyway. There's there's four different tales that are told throughout it. I'm not going to go through them because I'll just talk about them during my review. Um, and it you know kind of ends with uh, you know them mourning the staff mourning his death mm-hmm. again and but sending the work of creating the issue. Mm. Um, fuck this movie because <laughs> like you you've talked about this in the sense of like Wes Anderson kind of falling too much into his rut and falling too much into his tone i fucking hated grand budapest hotel yeah grand budapest hotel at least is like a consistent solid narrative throughout um i like moonrise kingdom a lot it shows up on my list um this this is just him at his aesthetic worst the word anew is used 20 times i believe (gasps) that's unacceptable it's it's just like he keeps doing it um and and well isn't that the name of the town is it the name of the town but they use it like is it the name of the town Oh, it is the name of the town. Oh, right. It is the name of the town. But even still. But it's but it's used not only in the name of the town, but also just in the, the, the reference of the term boredom. Yeah. Um, early on, I, I, I thought this was going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get Owen Wilson has a cycling reporter, has Herb St. Sazerac, um, cycling through... It, 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 and, and when you're first introduced to the movie, you know, it has that tight, what does he always do? 4-3, I'd say. He's, he's loves that 4-3. For four, the aspect ratio? Yeah, 4-3 aspect I don't ratio. Know. I I haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie in, because I saw Grand Budapest in theaters, but I didn't see Moonrise Kingdom in I theaters. Think, I don't think, I think Grand Budapest wasn't in 4-3, but I think Isle of Dogs was. Oh, okay. I didn't see Isle of Dogs in theaters either. So I actually has, haven't seen Isle of Dogs. It has like that really controlled central. Yeah. Like the centerization of everything. Mm-hmm. And early on... It works early on. You're thinking it's going to work. Um, but in the first story, the, the concrete masterpiece story, uh, the story of Benicio Del Toro playing this like really troubled artist who's in a mental hospital. Um, he's actually in a prison for murder. Mm-hmm. He kind of draws these paintings on a wall and something, something, something happens. He's in love with... Um, Leah Sadal, and mm-hmm. she's a prison guard. 
Yeah, she's like his muse, right? Yeah, I don't. Wait, but that's but I don't want you. I don't want you to do it. I just it just it just like that that works to me. Like some of that stuff works to me because I think the cast is doing a lot of lifting. But just in that that that, first story. But make that movie. Yeah, just make make that fucking movie. It's enough with this fucking shit. But then we get into like this. We get into like this communist sort of like young kid showdown with Timothy Chalamet. She's sleeping with Francis McDormand, who's a reporter, mm-hmm. um, you know, pulling on the student revolutions. And that's and then it leads into the Jeffrey Wright story um, about this uh, uh, kidnapping. And, and that's it's just going through this and going like, oh, my God, we're just spinning our wheels. Right. And that's what this movie does. Right. Is the first story is interesting because it has those those Wes Anderson things going on. Uh-huh. But I think Benicio Del Toro, Leo Sadal, and, um, oh my God, who's... Tilda Swinton's, right? Uh, Adrian Brody, actually. It's Adrian Is Brody, it that actually. Tilda okay. um, Swinton's not in that one. Tilda Swinton's in... I, I, thought she was, I thought she was the framing device. No, she device is, she is the one. framing device, yes. Um, God, for... I've having read too movie, much of Having this seen this movie twice, like, I've... Forgotten but so that's the thing. It. But that's but the um, whole West Anderson thing now, right? Is that you can't? There's nothing to hold on to. It's just a series of images that look exactly like. Even even it's, it doesn't it, matter how many times like people tell you that are like blend. Even his movies now are blended together, and that's the problem. Is like so Del Toro. It's really the, the Del Toro, Leo Sadal, and um, Adrian Brody thing, mm-hmm. and then Bob Balladin and Harry Winkler pop up a little later as kind of like the uncles of Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really the uncles, but they're called uncles, and they're business partners of Adrian Brody, and that that is fun, and that works because it has like that Bob it has that early kind of Wes Anderson funness to it. Yep. Um, so that first story works, and it gets you like in the groove of things, but then when you realize there's these two really soulless stories that follow it, even though poor Jeffrey Wright, he's there in the third one trying to make it work, like he's really trying to carry it. But when right. they're so totally devoid of this close, the closeness to it, right? Like this is the problem with Wes Anderson, um, and like Moonrise Kingdom kind of starts this demonstrating this. But Grand Budapest Hotel, all dogs are very much present of it. It's like mm-hmm. Wes Anderson's gone from like Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, and Royal Tannenbaums, you yep. know, from like this. They have his abstractness. They have his visual touch. They have his you know his shit yeah but there is a tenderness to it there's a closeness yep. of the story there is a necessity to kind of like cradle it mm-hmm. and it feels as though his visual motifs his soundtrack and all that and his you know script cuteness is working in the sense of like carrying the story yep it, this is the this is the instance where it's like obviously that isn't the case anymore you know Grand Budapest Hotel is so hand like held held far in the distance that yep. looks good and it's fun and in that sense but and it works as one consistent narrative but it's so far out there emotionally in, right. in terms of, well, it's of not, being it's devoid emotionless. of anything yeah it's emotionless and Isle of Dogs is the same way but this is worse because it's you know four disjointed stories yeah um, that you end up like watching and going like what, why I'm just I'm looking at a MoMA art piece now I'm looking at you know, I'm looking at, at, you're looking at, at, at like, visual art. Yeah, you're looking at like a a Joseph Cornell like box of shit, like framed as art. In in his hands, it is art, um, but that means nothing because you know that 
if you're if you're at a museum and you're looking into jo- you know Joseph Cornell, so he makes these boxes like dioramas almost of just like stuff, but they're really oh, not actual shit. What I was like thinking it was actual shit. No, no, no. I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. <laughs> but the, so one of the things that Joseph Cornell will do is that Joseph Cornell would go out in the morning and walk like all it seemingly all great artists do, and he would just pick up stuff off the ground. And he would just bring it back to his house when, he, you know, he had this hoard of just stuff. And he would create these boxes and then he'd put these things in these contexts. And they're, they're very striking and they're very, sometimes they're silly and sometimes they're whimsical and sometimes they're like, but they all carry an emotion with them, you know, but it's, it's art. So you can't say exactly what the emotion is, but when you look at them, you feel something, you know what I mean? And I think... He has got Wes Anderson has gotten to this place, and he got it there with Grand Budapest. I Grand Budapest Hotel when Jude Law and F. Marie Abraham were not on the screen. I wanted to fucking throw up. I like William Defoe on that. I was well, yeah, because he threw that fucking cat out the window. Yeah, but that's the only thing he did that was any good. It's the only thing anybody did. The skiing scene is no. The the skiing scene. His face during that is whatever. Um, sure, fine. Um, I love William Dafoe, man. I love William Dafoe, too. But I feel like he's selling himself too short by being the Wes Anderson movie. Because Wes Anderson sent Steve Zissou and accepting Darjeeling Limited because I think Darjeeling Limited was like a, like a raw Which is funny in this. Somehow. Is, is William Dafoe is used in that third one and he just looks he looks like he's unhappy to be there. He might it's be really unhappy. Sad. He's like, why Why can I not he's make like, Abel Ferreira movies he's like, my he's whole like life? Sean Baker, where Sean, Sean Baker doesn't need me for Red Rocket. Yeah, John Baker and Abel Ferreira don't need me for anything. What am I supposed to do with myself? Take a paycheck. Um, I had to do 12 minutes, too. That game is fucking terrible. Um, There's nothing... These are are empty gestures. These are things that... And I think one of the things that bugged me about Grand Budapest Hotel is that I thought of myself a lot in Grand Budapest... When I was watching Grand Budapest Hotel. Because it was a lot of aping... In Grand Budapest Hotel, and I feel like sometimes as a songwriter and as a as a writer, one of the things that like I worry about is like aping other people's stuff or aping my own stuff. And he, that's exactly what he is doing. Is that there is a between Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums, something really worked, and he doesn't understand what it is. And it's that all this crazy shit he did with Max Fisher, and like showing Max and all his clubs. And Max's plays and all this other stuff, that shit was sad. Yeah. Okay. World Tenenbaums. Every time when they showed like, you know, Richie or not Richie's, um, Richie's portraits and um, wow, what's Ben Stiller's character's name? I forget what it is now. It doesn't matter. Um, when they show his mice, when they show like Margot's um, stuff, like her plays and things like that. When they show Raleigh St. Clair's like book covers, when they show um, the, the Owen Wilson character, I forget what his name is too now. When they show his book covers, that was all had an emotion attached to it. Now he's just showing us stuff with no emotion attached to it at all. It's just like, and, look at this thing, look at it. And did you that, see it? The thing that did, makes Moonrise Kingdom work is like there's like a because there's a child little fo- bit of they're it. child focused. It has like right. this wonder of like a, not identi- like a fully identified person. Right. Who's looking at things in childhood? Why can't he just fucking do a bottle rocket movie again? Have his like little stuff in there, but not all of it. Just make a small movie where it's like some of his stuff, but not all of his well, he's fucking like, why shit. Why not make if he lo- if he's so obsessed with the, if he's so obsessed with the New Yorker, 
a lot of similar syllables in that sentence. Why not just make a movie about like, you know, the editor? Why not make a Bill Murray centric movie where all these people come in and out of his life to pitch stories or tell him stories and do short stories or whatever? But make it more right, about. I mean, Bill Murray's character is supposed to be based on like one of the co-founders, right? Yeah, but York. why not make it about him? Like, why not? It seems like he's avoiding emotion at this point, and he's using aesthetics to cover up all sense of anything having any kind of but real emotion. Movies, they don't even look good. They don't even look good anymore now. I thought because, Grand Budapest Hotel looks stupid. You know, because and the reason it looks like like yeah, from a purely aesthetically pleasing standpoint, it's fun to look at, but it doesn't work anymore because it means nothing. Right. And when aesthetics mean nothing, there's nothing. There's not. There's nothing there. Especially when you're trying to make a story, it just doesn't work. Okay, that's enough of that. Fuck this, this movie. Okay. Move on. If, as long as you're okay with moving on, this is the perfect way to segue into our second solo review here. Um, the movie I saw with my fam on the day before on the pre in the preview night. That you were gonna same thing with French Dispatch. We both were kind of like, oh, we should we should see this movie. I'm not gonna I'm gonna see that movie. Um, Chloe Zhao's entry into the MCU, Eternals. We're Eternals. We came here seven thousand years ago. To protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? We need to find the others. seen some of them for centuries. Hi. Hello. This is what the end of the world looks like. At least we have front row seats. You know what's never saved the planet? Your sarcasm. We have loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, You protected. Um, okay, so in the BC times, uh, a celestial known as Arashem sent ten beings to Earth. They are known as the Eternals, and they are there to defeat deviants and motorcycles. They know they're coming, but they don't know they when. They spend their days defeating deviants, and then they defeat all the deviants in like fifteen, I think fifteen twenties, in 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 the 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 last remnants of the of the old Mexican um, kingdoms. Like as the Spanish come in, they defeat all the deviants, and then they're free to kind of live their life until Arashem calls them back to do whatever. So they're all living on Earth for 500 years. Got your Circes, 
played by Gemma Chan, who's really good in this. Get your Icarus, played by Richard Madden, who's nice and charismatic. The cast in this movie is actually fantastic. Um, and they're on Earth, and they're just hanging out, doing stuff, living their life like people. And then the deviants come back. And then there's a one deviant who can... Uh, the deviants can consume powers now, and they evolve a little bit. And the deviant uh, starts to evolve, and, the, and then Salma Hayek can talk to Arishem, and but then she dies. And she's the leader, right? She's Ajax. Right Ajax, yeah. Um, and then she passes on her ability to talk to Arishem to Cersei, Gemma Chan, and then. Uh, in what I found very humorously referred to in one review as like a PowerPoint presentation, um, we get this not very long but pretty detailed exposition dump from the Celestial to the Eternal about what the hell is going on and how the uh, Eternals use and this. This is very spoiler heavy. Maybe when I edit this, I'll put the spoiler alert thing in. Um, the, it doesn't matter. I guess it's much it's our many. Podcast, by the time this episode comes out, Eternals might have bombed in its second week and third week and then it might be on Disney Plus for 30 bucks so who knows um the uh the turtles were there because the the uh, uh celestials made the deviants to consume apex predators but then the deviants in a flaw in their through a flaw in their system started to evolve so the celestials made the eternals which are synthetic beings to kill the deviants because the Celestials require life on planets because inside the planets are new Celestials. So the energy, it's like a Matrix situation. The energy from life, from, from the evolution of, 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 of life, intelligent life, um, births from the planet a Celestial. Wait, was Ego a Celestial? Ego was like a sort of Celestial. Okay. Because he was a planet. But Ego in... In and of itself, is more of like. Um, did, you, did you ever see, read any of the classic Infinity Gauntlet stuff? Okay, <laughs> no. So the, I mean, in a lot, <laughs> me and comics do not get along. So some of the '80s Infinity Gauntlet stuff, which like all, which like the Infinity War Endgame stuff borrows a lot from, and which kind of plays heavily into some of like what's going to come in Guardians of the Galaxy three, I think. Adam Warlock. Warlock, and then the Harry Styles. Reveal okay. at the end of this movie, Eros. Um, Sex God? Spoiler alert. Yeah, of course, Terry Styles. And a troll voiced by Patton Oswalt. So, of course, Sex God. Nice. <laughs> One of those guys is a Sex God. Um, uh, so, it's a, so they require, so they find this, Eternals find out that out of Earth, post blip, um, or post, post blip, Right? Like when everyone comes back. Everyone comes back. That, the return of life on Earth was enough to birth an eternal, or a celestial out of Earth. So Earth will explode. Everything on Earth will die. And out of that will be born a new celestial. So Thanos was a good guy? Thanos 
so that so that brings up some <laughs> MCU questions, which I guess we can talk about, or which is part of the problem, I guess, with like how this movie is being received. Is that like you can't ask these questions? These questions matter in one realm, but they also don't matter in like another realm. I mean, Thanos it obviously doesn't matter. Thanos, I'm but, just making a joke. But no, but it does matter because in reality, in the comic books, Thanos would one hundred percent know about this. He would one hundred percent know how Celestials are born, and so he would not bother to wipe out half of Earth. If it meant that a celestial was going to be born, unless he was going to use his infinity gauntlets like he did in the infinity gauntlet saga in the comic books to take over literally all of everything because the celestials can't beat him. Galactus can't beat him. Ego and like a couple of those other pseudo celestials can't beat him. What about the one above all? What's the one above all? No, it's like it's like the god in Marvel. I know that. Mm. But he doesn't care. Yes, yes, yes. Even he doesn't the, care though. Even right? the Watcher can't beat him. No, he's above the Watcher. Right. But he that's doesn't. What I'm I think. I think like he's so like trans. I kind of remember that. Yes, yes. It's like a it's ne- Stan it's like Lee, a nebulous basically. thing. It's yeah. Stanley. So they're gonna. So, but the Celestials have been. Li- or the Eternals have been living. <laughs> a, yeah. 2019. Tom would be so disappointed in 2021. Tom talking about. I'm Marvel not a little. Film. I'm not undisappointed, but I'll get there. I'll get there, <laughs> Mario. We got time. We're only 22 minutes into this podcast. Um. So this Eternals find out that they're going to destroy Earth. And they've all been living on Earth for a long time. And they really like humans. Um, Brian Tyree Henry's married to a human, He's fantastic right? in this movie. And so he... When is he not? not exactly. Um, so they decide they're going to stop the birth of the, of the Celestial. And that's essentially, ostensibly like the plot of the movie. Getting all the Eternals back together. So that they can... Because they've all been separated for a couple hundred years. Since the last... Like since... Um, Ajax said they could separate getting all the Eternals back together to collectively stop the birth of a Celestial and Icarus is not who he says he is and um, does the Deviant want the Celestial to be born? The de- so the Deviant the Deviant has evolved to a po- so the and this is one of the loose threads that like doesn't really work in the movie is like the evolution of the Deviants because we get told that the deviants can evolve, the deviant wants to be able to achieve the the type of evolution that humans have been allowed to to achieve. Mm. That's what they're after, um, or that's what the one deviant is after. And the Angelina Jolie takes care of that, and it's pretty good. Um, here's the here's the here's the deal, Mario. And that's the that's like then the movie ends and it, they save the day, and the, but they also don't save the day, and it doesn't matter. Um, it's very in keeping with the Neil Gaiman Eternals run that he did, which is pretty good. But it's very consumptive, okay? It's very Matrixy in the sense that the Celestials are consuming stuff. Um, Sprite, who is the one Eternal who looks like a kid, wants to is angry that like she doesn't get to live the same life as the rest of the Eternals because she's a kid. So she's like in love with Icarus. But she can never act on it, even though she's been alive, as far as she knows, for like seven thousand years. Because she's a kid, she looks like a kid, and he looks like Richard Madden. Um, so she becomes a human at the end of the movie. Doesn't matter. Here's a deal. Here's a deal, Mario. <laughs> this is the one time we need a YouTube show. <laughs> Chloe Zhao made this movie, and it's it's she's very been very forward about what she was and wasn't going to do in relation to like and so she got and she made this movie i 
She got this movie, I believe, before she did Nomadland. Uh, I think so. Okay. Um, because she was editing Eternals when she was doing the Nomadland press stuff. When she was winning all the Oscars for Nomadland, she was editing Eternals. She said so she it. probably she probably filmed Nomadland before this, or she filmed Eternals. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They were kind of running concurrently. Remember, she said it on one of the award shows that she yeah. was actively editing Eternals, like yeah. as they were doing the thing, or maybe she, she was editing something. Um, there's a lot of practical effects in this. Obviously, there can't be that many practical effects. There's a lot of practical effects. There's a one point where they're in like a village where, um, uh, what's his name? I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Barry Keogh. Is Drew? He plays this guy Drew, who can control people with his mind. He's kind of he left the Eternals like under a, a bad, some bad circumstances in the sense that like he wanted to stop the Spanish genocide of those of of the Mayans, um, or you know what was left, what the Mayans had kind of evolved into it in the 1500s because they can't interfere in human affairs. because they can't interfere with human affairs. They're not because they need humans to evolve, but they, they at that point they didn't know why, and then they know why because. The evolution of humans, intelligent life, gives energy to birth the Eternals. He wants to stop... Celestials. Celestials. He wants to stop the Spanish from doing it. He does, and he brings a bunch of those people to live in this village kind of peacefully and remove from stuff. Does Hugh Jackman show up and try to find a tree? Oh, I want to talk about that. I want, literally, I want to talk about that exact thing. There's a point in this movie where they're fighting in his village, and a house falls down. And a house fell down. Like, clearly, they pulled some supports out of a house and it fell down. And Nicolette and my wife and my kids didn't feel anything. And I was just like, holy fucking shit, that house fell down. Like, it blew my mind. Because in Marvel movies, houses don't fall down. They just CGI explode shit. Okay? I'm not the best person to ask about this stuff. Because I think... I just watched Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Because I think Captain America sucks. And he does suck. Captain America and the Winter Soldier sucks fucking ass. Okay? Agreed. Sorry if you like that. Did you say agreed? No, no, I I agree. I think everyone that says it's the best Marvel movie is out of their fucking minds. I told you my favorite Marvel movie, right? What's your favorite Marvel movie? Infinity War. Okay, good. So that's like... What I want to say here, Mario, is that I'm a bad person to ask because I think... Than the original Iron Man. What I think is the... What everyone else thinks is the... Is like... The best Marvel movie, I think is probably in the bottom tier of Marvel movies. People like Civil War, too. All those three... Thor. The the first Thor movie. The best Captain America movie is the first one. And I don't even really like that. Oh, I don't like it either. in the middle for me. like, yeah. What I'm going to say here is going to be controversial. I like Ant-Man, I like Ant-Man, too. It's going to be controversial in the sense that, like, everyone else is shitting on this movie. This is a top-tier Marvel movie for a couple of reasons. The cast is excellent, and Chloe Zhao is doing something real and different. And remember the scene in Green Knight with the giants? Mm -hmm. With the back projection? With the projection? She does that with a celestial being born, and it looks... doesn't look real. looks pretty good. It looks in scale, which is something that Marvel has really struggled with. Scale. 
They have not been able to manage and figure out scale the whole thing because everything's computer generated and nothing matters. That eternal or that celestial on a on a big screen looks fucking huge. So it, it has looks, it has that Galactus from the I know that yes, from the comics, like when Galactus looks, is like rising. Right, it he looks, looks like a giant. He looks giant. Rem- think about. Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, and how stupid and all that ocean shit. All that looked. small, everything looks small. Right. This looks fucking awesome. Okay. It's not Black Panther. It's not Infinity War. It's not uh, either of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Not Ragnarok. It's like in the second. It's not Doctor Strange, which I think is like a very underrated Marvel movie. Scott Dickerson. Um. It's in the top of the second tier of Marvel movies. It is very interesting. I understand that not everything works. I understand that when we talked about, I think in the last podcast, about expectations and feel, it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. And I think that's what people are really resisting, is that it's just just Kumail Nanjiani and... um, Liam McHugh plays Sprite that and Richard but Richard Madden's pretty like kind of funny and Kit Harrington as um He's a human, right? But he's the black knight, so that's part of that's one of the he's gonna turn it doesn't matter. Um What the fuck is We're going like we're going too far. I think it's a really, really interesting, well, well made movie that is getting a bad is getting a bad reputation because it's not doing what all the other Marvel movies are doing. Which is this goofy, which I've decided is this goofy ass superhero bullshit, which is, I'm, I've personally just kind of had enough of. I've, I think that's one of the reasons that I think, I thought, I thought Black Widow was pretty good. I thought Shang-Chi was pretty good. I think this movie is better than both of those movies. But both of those movies, while they adhere to b- goofy bullshit, are going for something a little bit different. They're just, they're just trying something else. And Marvel hasn't tried anything new, didn't try anything new until Ragnarok, really. Um, maybe the Guardians of the Galaxy movies for a long... Like, those are the only movies that were different. And then Endgame and Infinity War and Endgame. This is, this is kind of like a big reason I didn't want to see it. It was not necessarily because of like the fact that I hate Nomadland with a passion. You do. Um, I fucking hate that movie. Um, I, I... Like, you're, you're talking... Like, like I'm... I hear it. I can hear it. You were talking about like all this shit going on, and like I just don't have. Oh, you don't. Want I to, don't have the energy. You don't want to talk about how it. they're trying to create like a second. Like this is really is this, a phase zero. Is this? Is this even? Where's Kang? This is not a thing with Kang, right? Not the multiverse thing. We're. we're I think we're. So that's the thing. It has nothing to do with the multiverse. Well, it's yeah. actually setting up a different universe of films attached to Blade. Attached to, I think, Silver Surfer stuff. Like, I think Silver Surfer's coming. I like Galactus too. I love Silver Surfer. Um, But like, I don't. But I was. That's what I'm. I think that's what people are resisting. Is that like they invested, and these you people need to get a life. You they invested so much time into these first twenty five movies or twenty four movies. That the fact that this one has nothing to do with any of those is like a big kick in the balls. So like. It's literally just becoming comic books, where it's just like yep. various things. Yep. Yeah. I. Cool. I don't have time. I don't. I, I, care. Got time I like. I like. That. I like the multiverse stuff because that's kind of fun. I like because I watched Loki and I was like, oh, Loki's that's cool. Good. Yeah. 
And I'm into like multiverse weird stuff. Like I'm looking forward to Spider-Man because that interests me. I'm not gonna care. I don't care about magical no. science beings from various galaxies. Because this that ties in. This is, this is Guardians of the Galaxy two tie-in, right? Because I didn't give a shit about that movie. Like, not explicitly, I mean, no. But, it's, but the but the, it'll, the it'll ego, probably will the ego be, yeah. thing. I was just watching. I was like, planet human. But, but I don't care. But here's the about thing. A planet, but this is why I. This is why. And I'm not criticizing it. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think you are. It's not criticism. It's just like it's like this isn't. This is not like this is not my. No, thing. but this is why I think I'm. I'm in a beneficial position as opposed to like lots of other people. Is that? Like, I think it's. Cool I don't care exists. what happens. I'm. I'm not invested. Like from a long term. Like I saw the movie, and I was done thinking about it. I didn't read anything. Like I didn't watch any Easter egg videos. I didn't read anything. I saw the movie. I liked the movie. I moved on with my life. Yeah, and I, but I think it's. I think it's cool. Exists. Like it's. I think you right. know. Like people are, are super into comic books. I think comic books. I don't think they suck. I just find them too much of a time investment. Right. I, I don't. I, I. I have watched wrestling. Like I, I can't watch wrestling. No. And read comic books. Right. I like to go to the gym for like three hours a day. Sure. You can't do those things together. No, that's and I'm not. That's not trying to be like I'm. It's just like I have a nerdy thing I like, which is wrestling mm-hmm. and like video games and some of that stuff. Like I don't have the time for. Well, I just I think it's cool that pe- that's there for people and that it's that, hundreds that of millions want, of yeah, dollars yeah. is being spent. And like I guess it's, it's it fun. Sucks, it sucks that like. People are shitting on it for not being a something else. But I think it's cool that it exists for that. I don't have time. I play trivia, and all my trivia people are super into baseball. And, like, they know all the fucking baseball players' names. And I sit there, like, during the trivia rounds going, like, Yeah, whatever. But yeah. it's cool. I'm glad it, it, it's yeah. not hurting anybody. No. People are making money. But that's the thing. People are having fun. But I think people But, like, are I am not. Like, honestly, if these movies keep, like, if any more of these, you're going to keep doing solos because I'm yeah. not, I don't sure. care. But that's the thing. And me and. But I'm not criticizing it. I, I just. Don't I 100% give a shit. get that. And I think you're. I think. It, like it, you're not gonna come over and watch Full Gear on Saturday. What's Full Gear? It's a wrestle. It's a wrestling pay per view. They're gonna culminate a two year wrestling. I'm not because story. my kids are getting vaccinated on Saturday. But even if, but even if you weren't, like you wouldn't come over to see this like no, literally I'd fall asleep. seventy hours of one single story no. spread over seven different shows culminate. No. But what I, I think did it's cool do, that though, I have it. So here's the thing, and so, it's cool that other people have this right. stuff. And but I just what, I'm not gonna watch. And it. that's the whole thing. So there's. There's this apparently there's there's an Australian TV show called The Beach. Have you heard of The Beach? Danny Boyle? No. I, I thought that it was like a remake of that, but it's not. It's an Australian TV show. It's like about a guy who like lives on a beach. It's kind of a pseudo documentary, but the A twenty it's A twenty four picked it up and they're doing oh the, like a the stream continuous of it. thing. So yeah. I paid six bucks, so I have continuous it, access to streaming. Does that mean it's just going to be continuously streaming of this guy on a beach? It's just on. Although, yeah. no, the whole series is just going to be on. And I would check in with that before I would do wrestling. I would check in with that before I would do, like... Squid Game. Ten hour, Squid Game. Ten hours of Easter egg videos about how all these things connect to Eternals. I don't... Those movies, when I watch them in the theaters, are fun to watch. That's where I've gotten with the Marvel movies, which I hated for a long time. But I've gotten to the point, because me and my kids go, we just watch them. They're fun. We talk about them on the way home. We kind of like, when news comes out, we're like, we watch the trailers. But like the in-between times, we don't fill with yeah. stuff. We just kind of, 
And when I when I do take out the comics, I don't buy the comics. I take them out from the library. When I read them, I spend a, I spend I spend an evening reading. I spent an evening reading the Infinity Saga, and what I did was when there was lots of Thanos just like talking stuff, I just skipped pages because I just I just want to get a gist. Like I'm yeah. not super invested in it. I've, I don't know if I said this before. I I like the comic stories. I fucking hate comic books because there's so much shit in there. Yes, yeah. but I know I read comic stories, Wikipedia's. Yeah, because that's perfect. I'm yep. like I get the gist of the plot. Yep. I'm not saying, like, my time's too precious for this. No, I don't like, think you are like, at all. I literally today, instead of going to the theaters to see this movie, I spent an hour watching a Twitch stream because I enjoy doing that. Because yep. I have fun with that. I don't... I, I, this is just the problem. It's like, people are like, well, I want it to be for me. It's not for you. No. Like, the Eternals... Eternals, this entire, like, celestial stuff isn't for me. And the right. movie we're going to kind of go into... Well, I was going to say, we're, is, gonna, we're getting... It's not necessarily for me right. at all. Like, it's... And I think it's like... I sit there going, like, this is so fucking nerdy. I don't understand it. But, like, whatever. It's not for me. Right. But why do people need these things to always work for them? Like, this weird kind of, like, self-perspective, heliocentric me thing. Um, and I guess that ties directly into... Our next movie, which yes. has a, an expansive universe to it, um, which I personally did don't understand the expansive universe. And but a, is, apparently a bunch of people are very attached to, to, to said to universe. exactly what's happening in there. Um, is Dennis Villeneuve's adaptation of Frank Herbert's Dune. We are House Atreides. There is no call. We do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! I know you. There's only awakening in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. Before. They're not human, they're brutal. The Duke's son sees too much. This is my dude. Kill them all. God in heaven. Okay, I am not looking at my phone while doing this. It has a person who... We're going to preface this. I fucking hate Dune, the Frank Herbert story, with a intense passion <laughs> it is my least favorite piece of science fiction historically i do you have a reason fucking i so i read it i started reading it in middle school and er, i think maybe the very first line is like in ten thousand ad blah 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 and i'm like fuck you frank Herbert. <laughs> and I, I just kept reading it for a bit and like after like 20 pages I'm like i hate this and i just kept trying to come back to it and everything I read about the Frank Herbert Dune story makes me go like, you're just fucking lazy. Mm. Like the Butler Genesis, the Butler Jihad, where he's like, all the computers got outlawed because the computers tried to uprise. But really, I just want to have this happen so I can make my story work. And it's like, fuck you, Frank Herbert. Just say, just say computers never existed. Like, don't do this dumb shit. Right, guns don't do all this. never existed either. So, Well, guns did exist, but like, no... Human processing, human, human brains became so fast, the computers, that guns, the projectiles were so fast, 
And so with the, uh, the, the blah, 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 palindrome thing, that now you need slow-moving things and well, the swords. And that's literally like what he does. Yeah. And it's like, I don't... Fuck my you, prob- yeah, you my fucking pro- Wisconsin nerd. And my- I think he's from Wisconsin. That doesn't matter. My problem with like the Dune stuff, like the book, and I only I've only read the first half of Dune. It's I've read it a bunch of times. Pages. But like the first half of the first of Dune, like, like the, the novel. Seven books, right? Um there's a lot of books, yeah. It's a, he, he really got like very tokened. Yeah. Um in the sense that his kid just kind of kept uh, churning out Dune content. Earn um, that. Earn that bank. It's all earn very. I I've always kind of rejected those um, alternate reality stories where they try to convince you that something that's happening in the story is is super special and has never happened before. And just like no, this happens all the time in all of these stories all the time. I just I just felt like he he tries to hand wave things to make it work, and it's just like just fucking then make it work. But instead, he has to like spend so much fucking time explaining why it works, and it's like, dude, plot character. Anyway, so I'm doing. So I say that because I'm going to be making fun of Dune by not looking at my phone and trying to explain the story from memory. Do it. So uh, the, the the house of Traitus, right? They're in a nice little Scottish waterland, but there is this desert planet, Tatooine. Um, <laughs> Ar- Arrakis? Arrakis, yeah. Arrakis, Arrakis, which is ruled by the Hadoukens, the Had- Harkonnens, Harkonnens, um, or, or Harkonnens. Yeah, those guys. Uh, uh, Stellan Sarsgaard and uh, the Batista. Basketballs don't hold grudges. Um, and David Dusmelkian. Oh right, yeah. Uh, and they can float for some reason. I guess well, because only he can float. Only he can float. Okay, because of of, robo- of technology. Really? Because he's too fat. But then how can those guys float down later on? I think they're, like, just dropping. I think they... it's part of technology. Okay. It's technology, Mario. <laughs> yeah, God damn cool. it. Uh, technology that can't be sent in it because of the butler gen- jihad. Um, anyhow, there's this thing called That's the Spice. Lee Daniels' secret sequel to the butler. <laughs> the butler jihad. The Spice, which is a drug that can increase your longevity. It causes precedence. And um, probably gives you a hard cock. Um, I hope so. It That'd makes you just mad, and just and sit in front of and sit in front of spice miners. But I do know eventually that the spice is important because it's used by navigators who are able to fold space. Anyhow, uh, yes. the emperor, who's the whatever, there's like some sort of weird corporate monopoly that's also the corporation and. This monarchy of various families. Well, yeah, there's the emperor, and then there's like the house system. Yeah, and the emperor, the emperor, like lords so it's a, over. It's a corporation. It's a corporation and a house system. Um, it sounds a lot like Disney. Has yeah, has decided that the house of Atreus is Atreus. Atreides. Atreides is going to take over uh, mm-hmm. Arrakis. Um, the Arrakis. Uh, there, there's also these the Freemen. They're there. They're kind of like Fremen. The, the Fremen. They're the native. Family, the native people there, uh, but you know the, the the Paul Timothy Chalamet is having these these precedence moments because he's also been slowly bred by the Benghazis, the Bene Gesserit, the Bene Gesserits, who is a woman led thing because they've been selectively breeding to create Jesus. Um, well, I think yeah, that's that's I have I've always had the Bene Gesserit stuff is. I've always found really kind of, and maybe I just need to read more of the back Dune story stuff. 
I tried to. They've read, just never kind I of got. To, I've never I've gotten read what their so many their, Wikipedia I, pages about Dune, and I still don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, they're just witches. Yeah, who? I, but they can also use was, the force. Did, did did Frank Herbert like read a little bit of like like Islam and go like I yeah. got it? I know what's happening now. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. I'm way. actually less mad way, at Frank Herbert than I am at like everyone else who's co-opted something like the one or the savior or the one that will bring balance. The Harold Blumen thing. It's like just no, just you you were wrong the Wachowskis and you were wrong George Lucas and like you were wrong we'll, everybody. Look we'll at that. Um, so they go there, but it turns out it's a big charade, a charade, charade, charade because the emperor wants to Charades. Get, wants to get rid of uh, Oscar Isaac's character, um, Victor. He's, no, um, Lido. Lido, Lido. Yeah, why well, did think Victor? That's a good name. Um, because Vic, he's actually going to he's going to get the Harkonians back. Those guys and wants to wipe out that family because that fa- because they're too good at they're fighting. Too good, they're too good at fighting and they're too like good of people. Yeah, like Lido, like he's going there to. You know, get the Fremen and because because they're the Fremen have been like attacked and destroyed, and mm-hmm. he wants to like get spice production and make the Fremen like be a happy well, he wants good to get, people. He wants to he wants to unite people. Yeah, he, he wants to get he wants to produce spice because he wants money, but he wants to use. It sounds like he wants to use the money to help the Fremen, and he's more. He knows it has to happen. It's going to happen. Right. He figures why it should happen in a way that makes people not be murdered. Right. Oh, uh, but it's up, which is nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old good ice rider did a little good job there. Um, and uh, it turns out to be a big charade. Uh, they attack. Um, Lido's, Lido dies. Uh, Paul, who is the one sort of thing, he's able to escape. They keep running away. They keep running away. They keep running away into the desert. There's sandworms. No Beetlejuice to be seen. Um, that's too bad. Oh, no, great. Um, <laughs> he's a guy who's riding the sandworm <laughs> on the end. Yeah, Duncan Idaho dies. Don't, why is that a name? Um, yeah. why is that a name? And eventually, uh, the movie ends with uh, Paul fighting one of the Freemen, defeating him because he keeps having these moments of seeing Zendaya in the future, not seeing uh, John David Washington. Um, he realizes he has to fight in a different Why way. Why is that necessary? <laughs> it's because that movie's terrible, and I just need people to remember Malcolm. Who was the guy that made that movie? Oh, it was the guy that did uh, Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. what's like, that? I forget. Oh, the guy. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's terrible. Um, and so, it ends with them kind of like going to see the Fremen. Desert Power. See you, you in Dune beginning. Part Two. Right. Um. So yeah, from a story perspective. From a story perspective, this continues to be something I, I don't care about in the least. Absolutely not. Frank Herbert has created a world that I find incredibly boring, that I find incredibly lazy. Um, even picking back off what we said with the Eternals stuff and, and the Marvel kind of like metaverse, um, yeah. metaverse is that, or multiverse or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, all the, the threads are going on. Mm-hmm. I respect those because... There's a lot of ideas circulating in there. Even when they're kind of being lazy, there's at least doing something new. Frank Herbert 
for me has always been hand wavy and just been like, I need to get this to work, so this this needs to happen. Well, it's also very classic. It's he's not doing anything interesting in terms of like who is doing what. And yeah, it's just why. It's, a, it's an Arthurian tale, right? And Eve, but to that point, um, my it's wife was watching this and, and she was just kind of like, "What the hell is happening?" And I was like, "I could explain it to you all day." But I'm not sure it would add to your enjoyment of whatever's yeah. happening on the screen right now. Exactly, and and for example, like the blue red thing, does it, they don't really explain it, and you have to. I actually had to look, look it up to be like, oh, one is a deflection by the shield, and one's a hit. Yeah. Um. So from a story perspective, none of this works. But holy shit, did I really enjoy this? In the yeah. sense that, like, Dennis Villeneuve kind of like took like for one thing visually, it's amazing. It's it's. Fantastic. The floating over the, the sandstorm sequence, like even just seeing this on my like very nice television, but mm-hmm. still just a television was mind blowing. Yeah. But that's not the way like kinda he has a respect for the material. You can tell he cares about it. Mm-hmm. But he is able to just toss out a lot of that bullshit that kind of like weighed down David Lynch but- and weighed down especially weighed down that miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of like the, the the political discord, yeah, and all that, I guess so. And just be like, listen, this is a story of this kid. He's Jesus Christ. He is going to save these people and potentially save the universe. There's whatever. See you next move. Like we're we're building this up. I'm doing the classics hero's journey. You remember when George Lucas did this and didn't do it that well? Yeah. Like, I watched this and I was like, oh, shit. Star Wars kind of stinks. <laughs> well, not, and that's, 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 no. it's a crazy thing. No, no, Star Wars doesn't kind of stink. But I'm, what I'm trying to I say is, mean, like, from, a, from a doing that hero's journey thing, mm-hmm. like, this does that so much. Like, watching the end of this had me more excited for the continuing. I'm, I'm, I, that's I'm a not joke. excited. It's obviously a yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, It's obviously a joke. But watching the end of this made me go, like, I, I, I. Want to see Dune Part Two now? Because like see it. it, I want to see arced, it. It did the arc so well. It I'll, did that. It ended at the right moment. But here's what else: and it hit those beats right. at the right time. But here's what I'll say: all I really want its first hour. All I really want to do is see the movie. I don't even really care what happens. Oh no, no! no. The movie is so visually arresting. I in, at times I have I have nitpicky things about it from oh, a production design easily. standpoint, but like it's. A visual of from a visual effect standpoint, I wonder. I wondered a little bit if, in the long points where like it just kind of drifted and did nothing, I wondered if James Cameron watched Dune and was just like, nah, "I gotta, I'm gonna delay Avatar like this two is, years." This is the best Easily. visual effects film ever of all time, right? Ever. Easily, those ornithopters look like real things, and they're not. I know they're not. Yeah, but they look like it. I don't, know, I don't know what else to say. But. Even even though the sandworms don't look real, you can kind of you buy them being real because they're alien. Yep. Everything that fucking going over the uh, the main city mm-hmm. of Tatooine um, <laughs> of Arrakis, Arrakis yeah. right? uh, like that just looks right. Yep. Everything feels right. It feels also like. It just, yeah, it just feels so authentic, and but like it, it doesn't try to ever be 
and I think why it works so well is it never tries to be real. It doesn't try to connect to nope. the world in which we live. It's but just it like, understands the nature of the world that it's trying to portray. It yeah. It's physics and how it looks and blah, blah, um, To that point, though, when you're talking about like he stripped out all the political stuff, my problem with the movie is that without that beginning political stuff, I don't even know why any of this stuff has to happen. Or I don't know why anybody's doing any of the things that they're doing. Like, I almost feel like I want more politics or don't even bother making the movie. Really? Because I, it just, the, from a motivation standpoint, my two big gripes with this movie is one is that thing. Is that from a motivation standpoint, I have no idea why anybody's acting the way that they're acting. Because in the first 300 pages of the book, it's aside from like the, the, um, the siege and the escape. It's the first. I should say the first two hundred pages are all politics. It's all just Leto and Jessica and Paul, and then they're like subordinates trying to navigate this really tricky kind of awareness that of them knowing exactly what's going to happen the whole time, but also trying to find ways around that fact. <clears throat> or trying to prevent that fact. So I think it's problematic for me a little bit that Leto seems to only understand what's about to happen literally moments before it's going to happen. When in the book, he seems to understand from the very beginning that the Harkonnens are coming for him. It's just a matter of when and how. And he doesn't see that it's going to come from the inside. My second thing from this movie, Mario, and I would love to get into this with you a little bit if you want... I think Timothy Chalamet is wrong. Mm, I agree. I don't know who should play him. He is so fucking boring, I could care less if he's Jesus. It's a combo Lachlan problem. Is it? Yeah, because it's the same thing. It's like it's like the same kind of like pasty blank surface I, sort of I feel of like thing. I want a, a nervier... I want like an Ezra Miller. A younger Ezra Miller, obviously. Like... We need to talk about Kevin Ezra Miller to play this part. I want nerves. I want a little excitement. I want a little uh, uh, unpredictability. Timothy Chalamet is a wet towel. Yeah. And I'm, as soon as we get over this, as soon as we figure this out, that Timothy Chalamet is probably a good actor, but has not done anything really significant with his acting abilities in a no, long it's, it's fine. time. I'm just playing with it. I know, but it was. It was bugging me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't get it out. I was like, I want to help you get out. Um, Timothy Chalamet hasn't done anything meaningful from an acting I mean, he was good in Little Women, but he just was Timothy Chalamet. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I... He's it, a good supporting character. It was hard when him and Zendaya were acting off of each other. And it was very... It was oh, very limited. And she was making all these faces and she was carrying her body in a certain way. And I was like, why can't you do this? Timothy Chalamet, she is clearly like a person feeling things and carrying weights and thoughts and all this other stuff, and you're just like knives and and moves. Well, my my problem with Zendaya is like, like, man, I don't want her to have lines because like her body acting and everything works really well, but then when she like speaks, it's like so. Well, because the lines she has to say are stupid. Yeah, that's probably fair. But so that those are my big gripes. Um, for this movie, 
it's odd. I mean, this movie is a real conundrum. It's I actually think it's the place where Christopher Nolan always wants to be. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a better Christopher Nolan movie. That's what I'm saying. Is Christopher that it's, Nolan can never it's, it's hedging, it's hewing more towards the emotional, even though it's a little less emotional than I would like it, like it to be. It's um, it's technically perfect. Yeah. Um, and it makes me want to uh, see... All the supporting performances are hitting where they need to hit. Yeah, absolutely. Even Jason Momoa. Who no, I was going to say, like, Jason Momoa is like, great in it. Yeah. Rebecca Ferguson... Is pretty good. I think uh, what I, what uh, what is a problem I, with her is just a problem with her character, which is a problem with the Bene Gesserit, which I is I don't understand what they're doing or what their yeah, goal is. You don't know or their motivation the are necessarily, and that's a Frank but, Herbert problem. Here's the thing, it's but a, I love I love the fact that like she's looking more and more not haggard, but she's looking more and more natural as it goes on. Like yeah. like every sort of like technical choice in this is perfect. Yeah, Oscar Isaac is well outside is, of. Outside of its costume design, but I just find the cost. It's, it was boring. It's, it's, it was a, Frank, very it's a Frank Herbert boring. No, but I, I feel like you got to find a way to inject some color in. So, the, like the last ten minutes of the movie, when they're having that, they're having the. He's, that uh, looks cool. Yeah, that looks good. Well, but it's also very one note color palette. But it makes sense there. It but makes, like all the it other makes times, sense. But I almost wish they'd found a way to did, kind of do. To get something else in there because it just blends a lot. But when the Hadoukens are attacking Harkonnens, yeah, they're right. a bunch of Ryus and Kens. <laughs> but like when they attack um, Duncan Idaho and I, I, like when they're coming down, I'm like, who are those guys? And I was like, oh man, are those the are those? They're the yeah. Sadukars. Yeah. They're yeah. the Emperor's guys. Oh, so those aren't even the Harkonnens are in black. Yeah, and I was okay. The Sadu cars are, are in white gray. Yeah. But then Duncan Idaho, when he fights him, is also in white gray. Yeah, and that's where I was like, yeah. why are why is he fighting his own men, sort of thing? And yeah, that stuff just didn't work for me. Um, but I think just and like talk about the political intrigue thing. Like that didn't matter to me. I like the fact that like he didn't know his. Like I like the fact that Lita was kind of like I. Yeah. positively of everything. It didn't ruin my life. I just kind of wanted... It was one of those things where I just wanted... Because it was so visually stunning, I was okay with like a little less awareness of that stuff. But I just... Like from a narrative standpoint... This, so this isn't, this isn't even emotion. It's just like narratively. Mm. I would have liked a little more detail with... Because Javier Bardem's character makes a lot of sense. But the way that it's played because he like they never talk about it. They don't talk about it before and they don't talk about it after... It's just like I have some things to say. I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta go. And then that's how that's literally what he says. But because it's it's one moment, and they're not talking continuously about like how to draw the Fremen in. Like they don't have the di- remember in the in the novel like when they have the big dinner. Okay, so there's a novel. Like, they're a part in the novel before everything goes down where they have a big dinner, and they talk about the Fremen a lot. Um, I know a big contention is like them cutting the dinner scene, right? And it's because you get a lot of you get a lot of um, not just Fremen, Atreides, Harkonnen, but like all the different fact political factions that are exist on Arrakis, which are like who they're going to support in like this thing, which is all related to like the Fremen in a lot of ways, or the Harkonnens. Um, but it's just absent here. So you get the one Stilgar scene, and then there's really very little mention of the Fremen 
otherwise. Yeah, and I think I think I I, I like this movie more because of that. Because I'm just I I look at this as a person who hates this fucking story. Right. And goes like Harkonnen are bad guys. The Emperor is a dummy who's picking the bad guys, and that's probably not a good thing for him. Right. And the Atreides are good people. Mm-hmm. And the Fremen are also strong people, but they don't have the technology they need to do stuff. And the Harkonnen are bad. The Atreides are good. And this guy's a dumb leader, but also very good. But mm-hmm. his son is struggling to be Jesus, but he's got to be Jesus. And the only way you can prove that someone is Jesus witch- by having him put his hand in a box. Yeah. You know, it's the 40 days in the desert. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, the the Jesus women are over here going like, ah, this guy's, we got to make sure he's he's the one. And now he's like, I don't want to be the, I just want to have sex with this, this chick over here. My mom? Like, yeah. <laughs> was that from the story? Like, that was, was that, is that a thing? Like, that, that he wants to fuck, that's his, that's his actual mom, right? Yes. I don't remember if it's, I just read it. I, I just mean, read up to Rebecca page like 300. Ferguson, so it makes I don't remember exactly if it's mentioned there if is Rebecca an, Ferguson is my actual mom I would not want to fuck her there is an really overtone of an, I think because Frank Herbert hewed so closely towards classicism that there is an inherent edible of, yeah. context to that relationship or incestuality it's from fine. his art theory and which, stuff I, which I think in the movie I think plays pretty well it actually is a one moment in that movie where it's like a little bit complex. And again, I love I love that these people are doing these movies. And like and we talked about this a little bit with Florence Pugh and Black Widow, where they're not like in shape. Timothy Chalamet clearly didn't do anything. No, they talk about they like walk, I walk. Well there's a joke there's a joke just, of like I've developed muscles and you know, Jason Momoa was like, no. <laughs> Right, but like I love. I don't know if you watch like the because they on Disney Plus they have like the assembled things. So they have like the making of stuff. So my daughter is really into the assemble, like the making of movies. And there's one well, part where my hand wave wasn't criticizing. It's just like I don't. No, no, absolutely. I don't want to watch. Too busy anything. watching Hangman Adam Page when the world I happened. watched. I watched two seconds of it. So there's this moment though that I saw that like Florence Pugh was talking about like all the works that she did with like fight training and stuff like that. I was like, sure, you did fight training, but you didn't do that much fight training. Like, you know, Paul Rudd is talking about like sexiest getting, man alive, sexiest man alive, and getting trying to get cut up for like Ant Man, and like Florence Pugh is just like, I don't need to be cut, I'm fine. And she, and but that's credit to her because apparently, is, apparently, if you get really cut, you won't even be shown shirtless. But here's the thing, <laughs> she is she is fine. Timothy Chalamet's fine. About, uh, Kamal. Apparently, it's never shirtless in Eternals. Oh, like a big joke. It's too weird. <laughs> Kumail Nanjian, the guy that was in the big six, is not going to be super cut and shirtless in a superhero movie. No thanks. Um, maybe the next Michael Showalter movie can just be that. Um, do, actually, did you read any of the reviews for this new Michael Showalter Apple Plus show? No. With Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell? No. Which is just getting like... The idea is fine, but then they make eight episodes of this thing. Why and did Paul just... Rudd just do a sequel to the uh, Clone show? I, like I know. That show. That what happened show. to that show? That um, doesn't matter. Michael Showalter stinks as a director. He's terrible. Yeah. But uh, the point I'm making is that, like, that was really funny. That, like, he was just kind of like, this is my body. And it's like, I thought you were training. You've been training forever and fighting. And you clearly are just like a hipster guy who eats well. You drink a lot of smoothies. 
and you have a personal trainer who doesn't work you very hard. Like, I love it. I think it's great. Um, especially compared to all these Marvel movies where everyone's like, I guess I gotta get buff. Yeah, but, but and just... These, and these... And these but, I mean, here's what I'm saying. But just like, yeah, it's, it's nice. Kind of it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice to just see, like, have that acknowledged and just be like, no. And I, I guess that's probably the point of just, like, what works for this is, like, it's all of his, like, prisons and Jesusness is the fact that, like, he's just... Like, he wins the fight because he realizes, like, I have to fight this different way. I have to kill way. this guy, yeah. And I have to fight this different way. Right. But wouldn't you have... And that's the thing. So there was a conversation on the on the Ringer's Big Picture podcast or the movie podcast about, like, what the best Dennis Villeneuve movie is. And they had Prisoners. Blade Runner 24... Yeah. Well, of course. They had Sicario at number one. Um, but they had Prisoner, Blade Sicario, Runner... Sicario, Blade Runner. 2040. That's the thing. I would have literally... Not killed somebody. I would have... Been mean to somebody on purpose to have Timothy Chalamet have even one moment as Ryan emotionally compelling as it's Ryan Gosling Paul. doing his baseline test. Just do it. Ryan Gosling as Paul. I don't fucking care how old he is. Just yeah. do it. De age him. Fucking de age no, him. Don't even no, not even. Just What? Hand wave it. <laughs> ah, I love it. Um It was it was I'm looking forward to Dune 2. Yeah. No, but I also, like, I'm not going to watch... If I watch this movie again, I might watch it with the sound off or I'll fast forward through the talking parts. Yeah, I I think Dune 2 is probably going to be more action. Probably. More Fremen. I, I just think... think, I, think I, I, I imagine myself seeing Dune Part... Dune Part 2 is a movie I'm going to seek out in IMAX. I think here... I saw... This is a movie yeah, I saw... Yeah, yeah. I, like, I watched it just because like, I'm lazy now and don't like going to movie theater because there's people at movie theaters mm-hmm. and it involves me being at somewhere at a time instead of like watching why can't I watch it at 2 o'clock why house. can't I go to an IMAX at 2 o'clock in the morning right. and you just put it on for me right. I wish I was extremely wealthy because they could do that for me or at 10 o'clock in the morning yeah um, but I could see myself seeking this out because like this is a visual sound experience it's a Hans Zimmer Hans Zimmer doing his Hans Zimmer thing again but again like, it works we kind of talked this. about this with we, what, what did we talk about this with with like the critical, I guess maybe Eternals, but I felt, felt like we talked about it last week too. Like the Hans Zimmer like conversation about this movie, like he did all this stuff. Yeah, you know what is a movie that exists? The Passion of the Christ. You know what Peter Gabriel did for the Passion of the Christ soundtrack? Make his own instruments and do like was that Peter Gabriel? Yeah, and do largely choral arrangements of really? stuff. Yeah, that was a Peter Gabriel, was it? Absolutely, it was Peter Gabriel. Look it up. I thought it was a uh, John. The Caleb Deschanel did this. No, Caleb Deschanel is a cinematographer. It's a uh, John Debney. Yeah. No way a second. Maybe he did some of the. Maybe he did some of the music for it. I'm not taking the, any of this out. No, that's fine. Peter Gabriel, production, passion, filming, music. Mark Joseph, passion. Peter Cassidy. Music for the Last Temptation of Christ. Last Temptation? You were saying Passion of the Christ. No, no, Last Temptation of Christ. You said Passion of the Christ. Oh, I meant Last Temptation of Christ. Okay. I was sitting there going like, what are you talking about? Okay, yes, no, Peter Gabriel did Last Temptation. But Passion of the Christ is John Debney, which is a really good sc- But, but actually, I do love the score for Passion of the Christ. Right. But I think they're similar. A lot of choral stuff. A lot, a lot of, of weird sounds. Yeah. A lot of Middle Eastern, like, 
motifs in there. Hans Zimmer throws a lot of bagpipes in but the But Hans score. Zimmer also does a lot of Hans Zimmer things where oh, yeah, I was easily. kind of hoping that there would be no tune to stuff. You know what was a great moment in the movie and we're taking too long to talk about this? There's a great moment in the movie where like they get to Arrakis and they're floating. You talked about this before. They're floating over the city. There's like a the kind of a drum sound that kind of comes in. like It kind of like peters out into kind of like an atonal nothing. Like rhythmless percussion sound that has a tone but is not to have a tone it's weird yeah yeah. and i love that because it was like this is different but there is a theme and a hans zimmer guitar theme i was really kind of hoping with the big the, the super big deal that everybody was making about this movie that we could avoid hans zimmer guitar themes um but we can't because it's what hans zimmer does um and some of the choral stuff is too much yeah, I agree. It's way too much. I'm going to say, leading into our next movie, or our last movie of this episode, this is my only gripe about this movie, I think. Last, the last movie we were talking about? Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to move on? Absolutely. Okay. My last gripe, my only, I think, my only gripe about this last movie is that it overuses its, its theme. Holy shit, I'd never... I, honestly, this last... I don't even know what the music is in this movie. Okay. Our last movie we're going to talk about today is uh, the Rebecca Hall's directorial debut. Yeah, it's her yeah, feature yeah. debut. Um, Rebecca Hall's having a a, uh, a year because Nighthouse is a movie. It's, really? Uh, oh, did, you watch, did you watch Nighthouse yet? No, not yet. Gotta watch Nighthouse. It's a, whole, a horror movie. It's good. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I've heard good things. It's everything Hereditary really wished that it could be. <laughs> Get fucked, Ari Aster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Rebecca Hall's uh, Passing. Pardon me, I don't mean to stare, but I think I know you. Claire? I'm trying to find out the history of the blonde you've brought along. She's a girl from Chicago I used to know. Princess from Chicago. Things aren't always what they seem. Bobby Dan. Lots of people pass all the time. It's easy for a Negro to pass for white. I'm not sure it'd be so simple for a white person to pass for color. So you haven't ever thought to? What? You haven't thought of passing. No, why should I? Now I have everything I've ever wanted. This is my husband, John Bellew. Does he know? But you dislike Negroes, Mr. Bellew. No, 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 not at all. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she extraordinarily beautiful? I suppose. Your life is perfect. Have you ever thought of what you'd do if John found out? I'd do what I want more than anything right now. I'd come up here to live. With you. You think they'd be satisfied being white? Who's satisfied being anything? We're all of us passing for something or other. Aren't we?
So Passing uh, is on Netflix. Uh, it, Netflix apparently doesn't want us to know that it's on Netflix because neither me or Mario. It was my it was my second recommended movie. After I got like three Squid Game things, it was Harder <laughs> They Fall, and then um, Passing. Passing. Which is weird because this movie was a Sundance hit uh, this year. I thought I think everybody thought this was going to be like the film to beat um, Academy Award season. Mm, um, I, I, I kind of figured it was going to. I think after coming out of Sundance, everyone was like passing. It's yeah. obviously passing. Um, and we may have even had some conversations like around Sundance time about like, hey, passing. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember what happened in January of this year. I don't remember what happened in January of last year. I don't remember what happened in January of most years, but these last two have been particularly weird Januaries. Um, I don't need the plot. Tessa Thompson plays Rini. She is a uh, black woman living in Harlem with her husband, Brian, uh, played by Andre Holland, who's great. That's, that's just... The scene where he tells his son about the lynching, and then he lets him, and he's like, but then he's tickling him. And then he's like, and so he's smiling and he's like, and then he lets his son go. And the way Andre Holland's face collapses is just, oh, I fucking love Andre Holland, man. There's not enough Andre Holland in movies. Um, Rini meets Claire in a, 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 a largely white restaurant in Manhattan. Um, and they they knew each other in Chicago. In Chicago yeah. when they were when they were younger. And Claire has been passing as white. And she is married to John, who's played by Alexander Skarsgard, who has just cornered the market on playing super fucking dickheads and everything. Um Which is interesting. for him, I guess. There's like a weird thing to his face that isn't dickheadish, but like he's got the market for it. He does it. He does it in everything. He's a wife beater. He's a racist. Whatever, whatever terrible thing you want him to be, Alexander Sarsgaard is is there for that it. family has a corner on it right now. I know, I know. Except and for John. nine days. Oh, Except for nine days, right. Kane. That's out now on streaming and DVD. A movie that will never be talked about again <laughs> by us, right? Yeah, never. Um. But Claire ends up spending a lot of time, and this is a hard movie to talk about from a plot standpoint, I think only because there's a lot of stuff happening underneath the yeah, plot. Yeah. Claire ends up spending a lot of time with uh, Rini and Brian, um, living a largely black life as she has been hiding inside of a, inside of a white life. She's in, she's in Manhattan. Claire and she's John in, are in Manhattan, yeah, I believe. Well, they are in... Well, they're in lower Manhattan. Right. And... They're, Rini and Brian are in Harlem. Are in Har- are in Harlem. Around the time where the Harlem Renaissance is, is happening. So like, Late 20s. Or yeah, 21, 20s. I think. The 21? Okay. That's it. I know the novels were written in the, like 28. So I just, or maybe the novel's 20. Doesn't matter. I okay, guess doesn't I, matter. I, I, you keep going. I, I have it. I can. 29. Okay. Um, and that's like largely the plot, is that Clara spends an inordinate amount of time with um, the Redfields. Um, and I think the term passing becomes a really interesting word and because of, in, in regards to who is passing for what, is it about passing for white 
Or is it about passing for happy? I am satisfied. Is it about passing? Is it about passing for being black? Blackness? It's it's trend. It's it's. I'm curious to know. I'm curious for the Armand White review because I don't think he's going to know. Maybe he won't review it because he won't know what to do with it. I don't think. He, yeah, I don't. I don't imagine this gets reviewed by him because it's it doesn't conform to his. Like it doesn't conform to a strict liberal ideology of black and white, right versus wrong. White is wrong and black is right. It is ends up being much more complex. My only criticism I think of the movie, and maybe as we talk about it, I'll find more, is that it really le- it not doesn't lean on the score. There's a piano theme that kind of starts um, a couple. A, Start scenes like like really fast, like arpeggiated piano. Um, and uh, I know what you're talking about now, yeah. It does it a lot, it does it too much because some it does it at the beginning of a bunch of scenes, and like in the middle of the movie, the scenes kind of change a little more frequently, and it does it before everyone, and it's too much. I think everybody in this movie is utterly fantastic, um, right down to the Bill Camp. As Hugh Wentworth, a white novelist who enjoys coming to Black Harlem to, as uh, Rini puts it, like because he's curious, because he's like wants to see Negroes. Um, the aspect ratio is interesting, I guess. In this, I guess another criticism would be that there's it's it almost seems a little too heavy, heavily directed sometimes. Like there's some shots that I'm I'm not sure need to be the shots that they are. I'm thinking of when uh, Claire and Rini are on. The, they come home. They come back to the Redfields place with with flowers in their arms, and and they uh, Claire wants to sit on the porch to listen to the guy playing trumpet, and then she just kind of walks into the middle of the street, and then they they embrace in the middle of the street, and it's like. From the shoulder, like up, and then you just get the rest, of, like the sky. Not one hundred percent sure what some of those shots are doing. I was wrapped by it in a in a in a moment where I was not ready to be wrapped by stuff, um, because I was doing other things. But I put the kitten in the other room. Um, I did not play Animal Crossing because I've been living vicariously through my Animal Crossing island. Over the last like two weeks, not you too. I've I've been kind of like avoiding like a depression, and I've been using Animal Crossing to kind of like I just I made a I, I don't made, know anything about it. I just I turned my house into like a writer's retreat. Um, so there's like four bedrooms on there's like four beds in the top, and there's like a recreation area. It doesn't matter, but there's books everywhere and like papers, and it looks like a place like where it's I've got everything as a log cabin. So I've been just kind of like living in this space instead of doing actual real work um thoughts uh yeah no i i was gonna make a joke but not no um <laughs> i'll make a joke in a sense of like oh i did not like this no no this is this is this is a fantastic debut um and a lot of your criticisms i think of it being over directed or the score always beating in work so well for me in the sense that I think there's a real purposeful direction, especially in its writing. The screenplay is so fucking good. 
That's my other. I, I the only thing I don't like about it is I cut out some of the period colloquialisms. But I'm I love okay I it. love that because I feel as though there's a real prescience in and 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 focus in making a film of its time. Like mm-hmm. that fade out and that last shot of the snow mm-hmm. and just fading to the white. Um, making it of its time, like making it a movie of its time. So mm-hmm. like having that score introduce every scene. Yeah. Um, to, to the point where like for me, like having watched a lot of films of the time, kind of like that kind of just bleeds in. Um, it does. You expect having, it. You having those weirdly it, yeah. angled shots and whatnot. Um, dealing with a very kind of like a very modern interpretation of, of problems of that time that still like bleed through out the decades, but making a film that is very much, you know, the aspect ratio. I love the aspect ratio. The, the it makes graininess, it so much the graininess to, yeah. to the film grade, um, the, the script. It feels of its time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily of its time. It feels of like the 40s, like a film of the, the late 30s, early 40s. And that's what really works for me is the fact that it feels like people of its time. Mm-hmm. Presenting problems through a modern lens. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I agree. The performances: Tessa Thompson and, and Ruth Nega, 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 Nega. Um, fucking fantastic. Ruth Nega is fantastic. Yeah, Tessa, I think Tessa Thompson is also very good. I think her character is so complicated that it's hard to tell what's. But what's great? Where um, the what's performance and what's performance? But what's great about Tessa Thompson in this? And I think she does this extremely well. Like the more I see a Tessa Thompson the more I appreciate her for is she's like the perfect, and this is, this is kind of a weird way of saying it, she's the perfect straight man mm. in the sense of she's playing off of a, she always knows how to play off of a great performance to provide this kind of like stable backbone to a great, to a, a great force or to like, like kind of like a movie that's doing something else. But there's either a, a movie doing yeah. something else or a performance. And she just play. Everything she's doing is allowing but Nega I think to play off. Of. In her straightness, there's an un. Um, there's a there's an unstraightness. What's the word? I was just thinking. Well, you know what I mean, but you, you know what I'm saying. That like, that no, she's, no, but she's, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's because in this movie, playing the straight man to Ruth Nega's crazy, like or like no, no, much yeah. looser, well, much looser character. Is works in the sense that I think ultimately straight man isn't the right word. Foundational, yeah, is, is no, maybe think, a more proper term. But I think it's I think there's a loose person and there's a non-loose person. And Tessa Thompson does really good, kind of like playing, a grounding rod, a grounding one. Yeah, she does really good playing the grounding one. But I think the great thing about this movie is that being grounded in this movie has certain consequences which are not explicitly spelled out. Absolutely, you know what I mean. And that's and that's where I love this movie. And I'll, I'll I'll say it, I guess, out loud, is that this is this is a top three film of the year for me. I don't. I haven't even. I wrote it I down mean, on my like loose piece of paper. I haven't tried to rank them yet. Yeah, I would. But it's but it's such a bad year so far. Still, that I, just, I think it's got to yeah. be a top three. I. It's very. It's so much more complicated than whatever it's positioning itself. This is a movie I would like want to watch a lot. I'm I'm gonna watch it again for yeah. sure, but. Tessa Thompson comes off as so. The question is not about whiteness, which is why this movie is brilliant. It has nothing to do with whiteness. It's everything to do with with blackness, and Ruth Nega occupying Ruth Nega's character occupying 
a space that Tessa Thompson's character wishes she could occupy. And now that that not Rini wishes that she could pass, but that her life was more stable. And and not only I, and, I, I don't know even if like not only like blackness are necessarily, but also like feminine, like like womanhood. Yeah, too. All, like all these. It's, yes, it's so perfect. multifaceted. Yes. It's all these freedoms, and then Andre Holland exhibits. Some racial he he his desire is for a racial freedom he to has, move to Europe. Well, yeah, and he has, but Andre Holland has such such you know um, Brian uh, Brian yeah Brian has such a, a grounded self sense of self. Yep, that he knows who he is, what he wants. Like yeah, he says, but he like, also knows how the country works. He knows how the country works. Yep, but like he has such a but like a self identity. Yes, plays such a huge role. In this. Yes, and that's why like that final closing scene is great. You know, it's, just the fucking soft push and everything. And then, like, when she falls apart, he's there to support her and everything. Yep. Because, like, it's also about, like, this acceptance of, like, true love. Like, yep. like true, deep love. Because you get the sense that, like, Rini is, has not accepted herself for who she really is from an identity standpoint. And I talk about this as a white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, like... Ripping apart her womanhood and her race, um, doesn't she doesn't really know who she is as an individual. Nope. And that moment kind of like blends into like where Brian knows what he is, and he, but then he's also dealing with the struggles. Of like I don't understand why like this is a thing. I don't you know like I understand like why race matters sort of thing. Like he knows who he is, and he just knows it's just it's all fucking the same. Yeah. Overall, in the sense like obviously. External forces make it not the same, but like he has such a grounded self of of identity. He's Mm -hmm. annoyed with his job and he makes that comment about sick people, but he's really just saying like, I'm tired right now, you know, and, and Rini's like, don't say that because she doesn't have that grounded sense of self. And so when it all kind of coalesces in that end, it just works so perfectly because it's all about this like fragmented sense of self everywhere and yeah. that's why like like initially when i watched this i was like mm, should a white woman be making this movie i know the same thing and then and when it kind of like ties like race is a big part of it like race is it's, it's not it's just the about def- race. It's, it's the front it's it's the through line by which i think rebecca hall uses probably passing the novel to to guide it i, I haven't read the book it kind of makes me want to read the book me too yeah, yeah, yeah um but then she just digs Deeper well, because than that. the idea of passing because nobody knows who they are because Hugh doesn't know who he is like right. nobody. Well, the John idea... is so dedicated to the idea of like this. I'm here because it's uh, the city of the yeah, you city of the future sort of thing. Uh, like nobody knows what the fuck. Like everyone outside of like kind of Brian knows knows doesn't know what the fuck they are. Yeah. You know, and like like Rini like really kind of like digs deep into that and. Claire's fully able to admit, like when she says, was it the wild passion? I think mm-hmm. she says. Like, wild desire. Wild desire. That she's like, wants to find it. But Rini's like, hanging on to like, these things. Hanging well, on to these like, she, like, parts of identity that aren't identity. And she can't have both, she can't have both things. She can't have something in her life that is, like, not dictating that is illustrating 
some of the directing. things directing like the, yeah directing it's giving direction i almost feel like it's but i almost feel like it's not pushing her i feel like it's just kind of like showing her an example of what her life yeah i guess it should more be like exemplifying right exemplifying is a good word yeah it should be like and especially like in that great staircase scene like i love how rebecca hall uses that like long winding six floor staircase you know they walk up and she gets to see an image of herself no oh, the more i talk about this movie more i like this movie i know she gets to see an image of herself in the life that maybe she should be living. But there's nobody that's saying should or or shouldn't. It's just how she feels. She's she's in this position where she's confronted with these options. None of them seem to work. The one that does seem to work also doesn't seem to make her husband very happy. So that doesn't really work either. And so what should she be what should she be doing? And having Claire be having rena- almost like renounced her blackness but still so easily occupy a space in that society just like totally throws her off. Yeah. But that shit is... But this is why this movie's so good is because it conveys that really complicated emotion without anybody having to say, I'm not sure how I feel about any of this stuff. The thing, the thing, the thing I really love about this, like, like really love, and like it's, this goes back to like Tessa Thompson playing this kind of like grounding rod is because, you know, Rini's playing this grounding rod off of a, a, a scenery-ish chewing role in Claire um, is the fact that, like, she tries, you know, re, re- look at it initially as just, like, she's 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 pretending to pass, like, she's passing as white um, and that just kind of being it. But then when you delve into it, there's 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 all this nuance in the sense of beyond what's it mean to be like a woman in that role sort of thing and, and, and womanhood and what's mm-hmm. that necessarily mean. Then you get class. Class. What's that mean with zoo? Oh my god, um, that's a that's a what's it what's that it mean? came out of but nowhere, then, but it was also but then perfect. What's it mean with education as well? When she's like sitting there like when she makes when she makes like look what's this saying? The uh blah 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 Indian chief and she's naming off all the things. Mm. And like you kinda get the sense like she's she's educated, but she's not like she's surrounding herself with doctors and authors and She's not comfortable being educated. Yeah. And she's kind of like in this housewife-ish. She's, edu- she's educated for sure, but she's like still feels uncomfortable in the sense of like identity of self. She's educated. She has status. She has all these things. But she doesn't necessarily feel as though she can go like, I'm this. Right. I'm not like, right. like I don't exemplify womanhood because I'm not has free spirit. Pretty, like or, free spirit or like the fucking focus on Claire's back constantly. Mm. Like the the... the like, not to sound weird, but like the the roundness and the curves of Ruth Negga's black uh, back, um, like it does that several times. A so lot of times, yeah. This discomfort with femininity, this mm-hmm. discomfort with like with class in the sense of like she kind of talks down several times to Zoo, and like Claire comes in there and just is like chatting to her as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, the discomfort with like her level of education, where she kind of like still acquiesce at times to both not acquiesce but at both times like she defers defers to both Hugh and Brian yep um not that they're like not that their attentions are poor no but then when Brian tries to educate his sons on what like the reality of being black in America is she's like no don't do this yeah don't do that um you're right it's in all those things she feels like a square peg 
trying to fit into a circle, a triangle. And all those things, and that's the thing, and that's why I think that's ultimately I felt <laughs> I felt comfortable with Rebecca Hall directing it is because it's being black is just one part of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why the movie's so good is that it uses this example to make a much broader point about about identity and um I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 definitely because it's on Netflix, it's definitely a go back to. Yeah, and like I I, I still wonder the ending. Like what's going on there? Well, I, I kind of wondered that too. I kind of thought to myself when the when the camera was you know pulling back, I was like, "What's the message here? Like, what, where 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 did we end up? Who did someone win this? Was Claire going to jump out the window? Like, is that the only thing that she could do? Or it's it's I guess it's the one time. Was it the one is she time? Free? It's, it's the. I wonder. Is it the one time? I I don't. I think Claire is kind of like um, a a waif, a spirit there for like Rainy, and is it the one time where Rainy makes a decision? Mm-hmm. Is it the one time where Rainy like makes asserts fully, truly grounds and asserts herself and makes that decision to push her back, mm. right? Um. But do and you think she was dealing? Uh, you have to ask the question then: Is she actively trying to protect her? Which she's trying to. It seems like she's because well, it push seems her like behind she her. seems like tries to yeah push her behind her yeah. But then the windows open. Yeah. But I. I That's bad architecture design. But in let's that absolutely. But let's go. I mean, you can. But this is why I think the movie is really good because you can break this movie down from a thematic standpoint, from a message standpoint. But you can also look at the scene right before that where. Rini is standing at the window and smoking and she ashes out the window and you just see her like a silhouette of her hand come in. I don't know what it means. Probably doesn't mean anything. It's just fucking gorgeous. It's like the way that like that super black, almost like paper cut out image of a hand comes and ashes a cigarette out the window is is, is aesthetically fantastic. Ownership. That's what it is. It's the fact that she finally takes ownership of what so she takes ownership of what she's done let's look back at this what what's a really pivotal scene early on is that foul the uh the flower pot falling yep and it falls and she's just like it's something beautiful it's something that has its own purpose and then she just says zoo will get it Mm. and you knew it was gonna happen it telegraphed like something falling out a window it was gonna happen yeah but she when she does it at the end like she fully is she tells Brian through what she isn't saying. And everybody else goes down to get it. Like it, the, it being... The, the body. But like when she goes claim. down there, she claims ownership of it, to at least to Brian. And maybe mm-hmm. that's like the first time she's claiming maybe. ownership of something. I, I don't know. Like, like I'm interested in that. I, I, I think... But I almost want to know what her... I, I almost want to know what John, John, right? I almost want to know what John thinks. John, yeah. Because I do love just, the fact that we just make him sad in the end. I but know. the thing, he's just sitting there on the curb. And what's he? What's like? What's he thinking? Does he have some kind of realization about what he's actually lost? Oh, the, the way the way Skarsgård sells that is like he's fucking like destroyed that his wife's dead. That his his wife is dead, not yeah. that his wife is black. No, his wife's dead. Yeah. Right. 
He's destroyed that his wife is black, and then he's destroyed no, he's that his mad. wife is dead. He's mad that his wife is Interesting. black. Interesting. But then Interesting I think he's just... Dis- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's... No, because think about this. So the way he looks when he comes into the house... And I think... I think I, if this is like purposeful blocking on Rebecca Hall's part, like she did a fucking fantastic job directing. Sure it is. She has like... He has a forward stance. Yep. His shoulders are forward and up. Right? Mm-hmm. When he's like accusing her and says, Calls her dirty, a liar. Dirty, liar. dirty liar. Dirty liar. Every scene after that, even like when he's laying there, his shoulders are slumped forward and but down. So it's rounded. Mm-hmm. And then when he stands up in the above shot, it's still standing up, but it's rounded. Mm. And if that's blocked on purpose, like there's an entire part of like this male dominance that like John shows throughout everything. Mm. But there's an extreme just that's just like a man broken. But this is I mean this speaks to like another aspect of the movie which like doesn't really get talked about in the in the film is that like he doesn't know maybe the reason he hates black people is because he doesn't know any black people and maybe the realization that he did know because well, everything he says is kind of like this weird sort of it's like a Newsmax yeah. like fucking reiteration, you know what I mean? Like you also, know, Julia the... De Cornet this is how you direct a movie. What? <laughs> Julia DeCornet, this is how you direct a movie with purpose. <laughs> um, Going back to last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything is boilerplate. Like, boilerplate racism. It, like, because of like, crime bo- and like, all this other stuff. Not only boilerplate racism, but, like, boilerplate everything. Like, he says, well, oh, it's great to live in New York City of the future. Like, everything right. about him yeah. is just, like mimicked off of something else this is a very good movie like almost painfully good i mean in those first and one of the you know we talked i don't i have no idea what my best of list is going to look like this year there's too many movies and i just don't care about most of them um because of movies because of one movie that we've talked about endlessly on this podcast but also because of a little bit like movies like nine um not nine days, <laughs> because of passing which is just like oh it's gonna own a bunch of slots okay um, yeah, for me, like three films are slotting and everything, and this absolutely. is this is the third film for me. It's 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 complex and it, oh, so that so I was talking about the, the when we do our scenes. The first the scene at the restaurant is like horrible. I mean, it feels terrible, it's so uncomfortable, and that's where the aspect ratio really comes into focus. Where you're like everything is crushed in. Like, she's clearly, you name the movie Passing, okay? These have these two women talking about a Piccaninny doll, you know what I mean? And, like, then, you know, uh, Rini comes in to, to help them out. She's clearly hiding her face. And then she's in this all-white restaurant. The light is horrifying. She's clearly not white. Clearly. But she's here. And then she goes upstairs with Claire and then John, for whatever reason, doesn't recognize that she's black. It is uncomfortable and thrilling, even though nothing thrilling happens. I mean, this is where you want to take these Marvel movies and Dune and all these other movies and like... Tight the end. What? This is where you want to take tight the end. Yeah, absolutely. You want to take all these movies and just be like, look at this is uncomfortable and painful and and... And transgressive, culturally transgressive, and nobody got stabbed. Emotionally transgressive. Emotionally transgressive. Nobody got stabbed. Nobody had sex with a car. Nobody's naked. Nobody's like doing any of this other stuff. The fact that the next twenty minutes of that movie focuses in on her almost being called the N word. 
Right. But then like, on top of that. But she says to Brian, like, you know, you call me that once, blah, blah, blah. You call me that the second time. That's on me. Right. But that's, and that's the, but again, and that stuff is framed by this, these beautiful shots. And the whole time you're like, you're not supposed to have anything. Because the way that the movie is framed is that she's an interloper in this world. But that world isn't that much different than, like, the other world. No. Her husband's a doctor. They have money. They have status. They, they, can, the they can move to Brazil multi, if they want absolutely. to. They live in a multi-story brownstone. She's, like, doing all this work for free. She's doing technical... She has a lip... But not a living maid, but yeah, almost absolutely. a living maid. She has, she, a maid who has to be there enough to she can't that maid can't even see their own like family. I, and I just I just read um The Awakening, Kate Chopin's The Awakening, and the doing charity work on the side I know we have to go. No no, I was just checking. No, we have to. Doing charity work on the side is the role of a is a um elite white wife. That's what she does. She doesn't work. She has her children, and then she does charity work. That's what Rini does. She's occupying the same space, but it doesn't feel like the same space. Yeah. And all that stuff is done through the photography. All that stuff is done through, like, symbolism and images. And that's why it's an arresting, breathtaking movie, and why something like Dune is being like, that is cool. That looks good. I'm good. I saw it. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna turn it back on. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, that's the thing. I and might like, look at sequences on YouTube in listen, the future. But and I gotta be, I gotta be straight up with you. When we talked, we just talked about Dune. When after we got finished watching the Justice League movie, the next day I booted up the Justice League movie, fast forward to the Flash running, so I could show my son, like who's into superhero stuff. I'm like this scene's pretty cool. There isn't any scenes in Dune that I'm going to be like, you know what? You're not going to see anything like, you're never gonna, like this is not like super interesting. Because guess what? Like in Eternals, they do the fast motion stuff even better than Zack Snyder does it in Justice League. Dune is really interesting, like visually. But the visuals have nothing to do with anything. They're just cool visuals. Yeah. Passing is different. Here's cool visual. Here's these two women walking down the street, both carrying flowers. Their rhythm of their steps is exactly the same. They're mirroring each other. Who's mirroring who? Okay? That's movie making. I'm making hand gestures and, and arching my back a little bit. Oh, no. I, no Not I to you. To, what, the, to the listeners. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Which one? Like, pick one. I pick passing every time. Yeah, and that's uh, like just going back to our conversation last week, like where people like love Tatian because it's like, oh, there's multifaceted interpretations. It's like because you're looking, you're like you're finding those. With something like this, there has been a deliberate attempt to at least give you some of that. And mm-hmm. if you, maybe you find more than Rebecca Hall intended you to find, right? But she's done some of the groundwork. Not even just her, but her, Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega. You know, um, I don't think Andre we've... Holland have done the groundwork to do some of the and Bill Bill Camp. Let's say, uh, yeah, Alexander Guys that is not in it enough to like to. He's great in it too, but he just is whatever playing a one dimensional villain. Um, they're doing the groundwork to do some of. The, they're doing some of this work. I think some doing... of it, and so if you find other stuff, it's because of the fact that they've at least given you a through line 
to get there. Well, I think it's because the depth of the film um, suggests that those things are probably there. Exactly. Um, and I don't think any of the things that we've talked about, we've gone out of our way to f- to find. I think they're all we just kind of there stumbled the, upon them. They're just there in the movie. We're just like, oh, yeah. talk about this. This could also be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, I thought passing was I thought passing was great. I'm going to give it again. I watched it. In the midst of a of a day where I was doing other stuff, yeah, I, I, start, I stopped I started, doing I other stuff to watch thinking it. Thinking I was going to watch a one night in Miami sort of deal. Oh my god, no! Right, but didn't you kind of like start? I started like going like, uh, but so well, I was I doing just, a bunch of other stuff through that I had to like rewind to like the the hotel the the room scene with John. Yeah, because I kind of like didn't catch all of it. It actually reminded me a lot of Carol, the Todd Haynes mm. movie at first. In the first the first scene when they're in the toy store. Was very carolly, but then emotionally it just ratcheted up to a million. Um, with the guy passed out, the taxi, yeah, um, and then the restaurant scene. Like Carol didn't do any of that. This stuff. is not helping my obsession with Rebecca Hall, though. She does good work. It just worsens it. She does good work. I already thought she was a really great actress, and now it just makes it worse. If you want to cancel me on Twitter. <laughs> You could do so at Film Pivotal. That's the only option here. Just canceling Mario. Oh, I, I would love to log on to Twitter tomorrow and just see like hashtag cancel Mario and like the trending. Even before the episode has been published. Yeah. People will have already canceled. Your me. neighbors have been like, fuck this guy. Cancel Mario. Um, or you can go to. My name is uh, Tom Nolan, by the way. You feel free. <laughs> feel free. <laughs> There's no way I work my, for the state. I there's can't no be, way my students, I work for the state. I can't be canceled. <laughs> right. Ned is King Ned is into that. Um which is my favorite thing to do on Twitter is to check Ned Lamont's <laughs> for King Ned. Oh my god. Yeah. No, it's like to check his like daily COVID things and just look at the people that are like Move. super angry, like give up your executive powers. Like he's not doing anything with his executive powers. He's literally doing nothing. And you know why? You sound like an idiot because no one else in the legislature is like, he should give up his powers. They're just like, he's fine. Yeah. He's just doing this just in case. He legalized marijuana. He's happy. Yeah, everyone's happy. It doesn't matter. Except for these couple of people that are like, unmask your kids. Do you have kids? No. But they shouldn't have masks. Is anybody wearing masks anymore inside? (laughs) Like, I I see that in my gym, but like, I'm the only person wearing masks in in, in I wear them to go to the movies. I, wore, I do too. But I don't really go but anywhere. Nobody so. else is wearing it. But I go, I go places and I'm the only person wearing a mask and I'm oh. like, fuck it, whatever. I don't really go anywhere. No. I go, I, yeah, I wear them wear to school. Anymore. I wear them to school. Do, you, do your students? Yeah. Oh, well, good for them. They have to. One kid hasn't been, but then he, he came in the other day with it. Um, I'm not sure what that's about. I think it might be a sports thing. Some of the kids that play sports think that it might have to wear them. Mm. But they're, they're 18. They're rebelling it's how they're rebelling whatever um go to pivotal uh emails at pivotal from podcast gmail.com or go to pivotal film.com see how to subscribe to our podcast or see the list on our pivotal film list or some of the beers that we drank um over the last three years some of them probably aren't even being made anymore which is fascinating to think about probably, yeah. um like you're never going to drink kent falls substrate ever again in your whole life we all just have to deal with that folks it's part of life um we're going to be back much sooner um, than we were this month. Yeah, we're gonna watch a bunch of movies on streaming and in theaters if we can make them. Um, but we'll be back maybe in a couple, maybe next week, depending on when this airs. 
Right. Finally. Yeah. Drink movies. Drink movies. Watch beers. Cheers. We'll talk to you.